Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Clicking On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, June 8th. This podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format, soon to be video and audio, that you can listen to or watch anytime, anywhere. We have Joe Murin going to be joining us in the Hot Topic segment. Joe is a good friend and is the past president of Janie May. He also serves as one of the advisors on Ainsworth Advisors, and we're just thrilled to have him here. I pre-recorded this, and he's going to be talking more about Janie May during the Great Recession. He was actually president during the Great Recession of 2008 to 2009. I'm going to talk about that. This program is a privilege, and it's really what's going on with the pandemic and where the Janie May program should go. So Joe, again, a part of the Ainsworth Advisory Group. And in one of our calls, Joe and I were in the group were talking, and Joe put out some things. I go, man, I wish I was recording that. And I said, would you come on the podcast and re-share that? So that's what we're going to do. We recorded it. You're going to really like this stuff. You're wondering where Jenny May is going, where it needs to go. Joe Mirren is going to be in the Hot Topic segment, and you're not going to want to miss it. I also want to say a special thank you to all of our sponsors. Oh, before we go, they got to mention two things we're a part of. The Industry Syndicate, check it out, industrysyndicate.com, and Mortgage Media. I love what we're doing with both of these. Industry Syndicate, it seems to be more focused towards the loan originators, and they have a whole bunch of podcasts focused there, as well as realtors. Great place to check out kind of what are the, the thoughts going on, some real good thought leaders in the Industry Syndicate. And then Mortgage Media is designed more at the executive level. It's going out to everyone. Uh, the industry, a good group of folks that we're thrilled to be partnered with and in Mortgage Media and playing a bigger, bigger role how we work together. So check out MortgageMedia.com and be sure to check out Dave Matthews and my podcast. We have a new one going, The Two Daves, and it's perspective of what's happening. And Dave's very uh, much a good Democrat, and I'm a good Republican, so we get into some really wonderful discussion. We share that. We've done doing it for years, and we're now sharing it openly. And it is really fun. We have tremendous respect for each other. So I think you'll find, how can you discuss with different, divergent views? How can you discuss things in an intelligent way that serves and comes together? So check out the Two Days podcast. Special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Very good podcast we had with um, Bill Kelmer and Pete Mills on April 19th. Go check that out. Also, become a part of the Mortgage Action Alliance. I strongly encourage you to get signed up. Way to have your voice heard on important matters on the Hill. They represent us, and you can have your voice heard through the Mortgage Action Alliance app that you download it from the Play Store or from 
the uh, App Store with your iPhone. Anyway, Finastra, who's also got their mortgage bot solution, we're doing some innovative things. I love the innovation that's coming out of Finastra. We're doing some a series of, of videos and uh, seminars on their channel. Go to the Finastra website. I love the leadership, the innovation that's going on at this company. We're pleased to have them be a part of us and the innovative things we're doing. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops do a great job of connecting lenders and vendors in a unique relationship. Love both relationship with both of them. Just had Justin Demolion last week from Lenders One. Go back and listen to that podcast. Also, the CMLA or the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, great organization. Also, Indicom, they do a great job. That's Alice's old employer. They came on and became a sponsor of the podcast. Great outsourcing solution. We're thrilled to have them as an advertiser, as well as Accelerate. Josh <laughs> does such a good job. Josh Friend at Accelerate has done some of the most innovative ways of engaging borrowers. You've got to check out their website, Incelerate.com, as well as Ainsworth Advisors. Again, we're talking with Joe Muren, who's part of that. That gives you a little insights into Ainsworth Advisors. Check that out, as well as AI Assist, a way of you connecting with consumers. Celebrity home loans, growing through acquisitions, looking for a new home, looking for a place to go with your company. If you're selling, check out Celebrity Home Loans, as well as Knowledge Group for a great LMS learning management system, as well as Mobility RE and how you can connect and recruit top LOs, as well as Modex. They're a great complement. We have had Ben Turlink on with Mobility RE, and we've had Dale the Third and Dale Jr. on. And uh, two weeks ago, it's a great podcast, great words. Also, Velma, VendorSurf, Vidyard, so thank you to all of you for your sponsorship. And then a special thank you goes out to Alice, Andy, Allen, and Matt, the newest contributor to our podcast. So let's get over to Rob Van Rapport. Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapport. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, it was announced that MISMO, MBA, and MERS Board of Directors approved the $0.75 administrative fee for every new loan registered on the MERS system. The new fee will allow MISMO to move more quickly to better assist mortgage lenders of all sizes and business models by seamlessly blending the integration and sharing of data across the real estate finance landscape. Also, yesterday, MBA released the results of its latest forbearance and call volume survey. It showed that the total number of loans now in forbearance in Increased from 8.46% to 8.53% as of May 31st, 2020. According to MBA's estimate, almost 4.3 million homeowners are now in forbearance plans. This slight increase last week indicates that with the job market beginning to gradually improve, more homeowners are exiting forbearance, and we are now seeing declines in forbearance volume among some servicers. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and the Macro View of the Markets. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Crazy. crazy. We're crazy, crazy for coupons. So lonely. Stocks soar like sparks rather than fall like rocks. Why do markets often defy the public's consensus? Since March, when the Federal Reserve restarted buying mortgages, rates have dropped. Mortgage investors anticipate that borrowers will refinance. With loan rates concentrated between two and three quarters and three and three quarters, a lot of consumers will refinance at the same time. Once the 2% coupon becomes popular, then mortgage rates will be two and a quarter to two and three quarters. They'll go crazy with loving... Two, these views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. 
<laughs> That's a nostalgic old song. Les Parker and Gary Canterbone. Good job of producing that. I love that. Nostalgic. Yeah, it's crazy what's going on out there. Crazy what's going on in our streets. Crazy what's happening. It's just amazing how the markets just are keep moving forward and rates are dropping. I just refinanced my mortgage in October and rates are down. I got a notification that I can reduce my 30-year fixed rate down to two and five ace. And I'm going to jump on that. Crazy. Reminds me back of 2003, somewhere around there. Crazy times. But anyway, let's get over to tmspotlight.com. Sign up for Les's free email. You'll read about a music parody each and every day. Matt Graham, so good to have you here live with us. We got your recorded comments last week, and then we had you come on. And you're going to be our Hot Topic guest on next Monday's program. So we're excited to have you here and continue to give us an update. What you got for us this week, Matt? Excited to be here. Thanks, Dave. So, yeah, talking about uh, mortgage rates dropping, your two and five-eighths quote, you might want to make sure that's still lockable today. Jumped up quite a bit at the end of last week on a relative basis, of course. But there's a really interesting dichotomy between last week and this week. So last week, my little recorded spiel I sent you talked about the fact that things were really flat in the bond market and that the market wasn't responding to economic data or that it would tune out economic data until the economic data allowed enough case to be heard. And that's really what happened last week, arguably, especially on Wednesday. There was first kind of a prelude to the jobs report that made people brace for impact. And part of that was the ISM non-manufacturing data on Wednesday is probably a little bit under appreciated by the average loan officer who is following economic data for the purpose of staying on top of interest rates. But apart from NFP, non-farm payrolls, the big jobs report, the ISM reports are some of the most reliable, biggest market movers we have. And they offer a really good way to track the rebound in the economy coming back from coronavirus. And that report, not necessarily the headline, but the business activity component was much stronger than expected and got all the way back up to 41 on an index basis. And the forecast was for 34. And this is coming back from a rating of 26 in the previous month. But that was second fiddle to the morning's big data, which was ADP employment. So just a little background on that. ADP's stated goal with that report is to try to capture and, and predict what the second revision of the non-farm payrolls, the big jobs number, will be. And it comes out two days before. So over the years, recent years, because it's not as old of a report, it's gained a love it or hate it reputation as being either predictive or completely useless, depending on whom you ask. Certainly, we would have to conclude that given ADP's role in the payroll processing marketplace, they definitely have a finger on the pulse of how many payrolls are going out. So if there's variability in their data, I think it comes more from trying to predict NFP than it does from not having access to good data themselves. In any event, the thing absolutely crushed its forecast. It came in at, quote unquote, only negative 2.7 million, which, of course, everything's relative. When it comes to economic data, forecasters were expecting negative 9 million. That makes that the biggest difference between a forecast and an actual number for that ADP report. Combined with ISM, a couple hours later, you have this flat bond market that wasn't really tuned into economic data that's sort of waiting for some sort of big information come down the pike. And here it comes all at once on Wednesday morning, forcing the bond market to consider, holy crap, maybe we have been too complacent or too bearish on the economy 
and maybe we need to prepare for the economy coming back online a little bit quicker than we thought. And that kicked off a little bit of a chain reaction that pushed treasury yields especially higher. And then Thursday, it was just pure momentum trading. You had a lot of anticipation and repositioning for Friday's big jobs number because traders were thinking, sure, ADP sometimes misses the mark when it comes to predicting NFP, but if it's this far from forecast, we have to prepare for the possibility that NFP payrolls does the same thing. And indeed, not only did it do the same thing, it took it to the next level. NFP, it might be the biggest beat we ever see in our lifetime. No way to say that for sure, but I think for the time being, and certainly looking back into the past, it's the biggest beat we could imagine. Came in at positive 2.5 million versus a negative 8 million forecast. Definitely have jobs that need to come back into the economy, so it's not a surprise to see the capability of the economy to generate that kind of payroll growth because it destroyed so many payrolls in the previous couple months. But uh, to see it so soon and so much better than expected added to this case that the bond market was sort of caught flat-footed and needed to prepare for the possibility, at least, that first phase of the economic recovery will be faster than expected. So with that, we had three days of extreme, not necessarily extreme extreme, but relative to the last six to nine weeks, extreme movement in treasury yields. The nice thing, the saving grace here is that uh, MBS fared better by comparison, mortgage-backed securities. And uh, there are a couple of reasons for that. First off, treasuries will first and foremost bear the brunt of any bond market specific news. Anything that is hitting that risk on, risk off sort of buy stock, sell bond sort of thing, they're going to sell treasuries first. Uh, and MBS will be less affected comparatively. Also, treasuries have much more supply concern right now. And what I mean by that is the government is issuing a ton of treasuries in order to pay for stimulus programs and to make Mm -hmm. up for revenue shortfall. And then we also have the corporate bond market right now going absolutely nuts, record corporate (laughs) bond issuance. So on one hand, that creates an alternative investment that creates competition for treasury and the MBS, but it also implies some short-term selling in the treasury market due to the way corporate bonds are priced and sold. And uh, the companies that help these corporations issue their bonds effectively lock their rate for them the same way that a mortgage lender could lock a rate by taking a short position in MBS. They take a short position in treasuries because treasuries serve as the foundation for those corporate borrowing rates. And so it creates short-term selling pressure in treasuries, which can drive rates up. Then depending on what the market's doing, book runners, as they're called, the companies that help the corporations issue these bonds may or may not buy those hedges back. And so At the very least, it's a 50-50 wash, but sometimes it ends up being negative for treasuries. Anyway, back to the point, MBS don't have those concerns. They're not used as a hedge for corporate bonds. They're not being issued any more rapidly than is suggested by refinance demand. So they're able to outperform. Mortgage rates themselves also have a very historically wide gap between where they are and where mortgage bonds say they should be. That has to do with a lot of coronavirus-specific stuff, the forbearance tidal wave, cost concerns and cash flow concerns that lenders have never had to deal with before. So that's keeping rates elevated relative to MBS. And it was really the only reason over the past six weeks that mortgage rates were able to fall, even as treasury yields sort of ground uh, gently higher during that time. The big concern here is for mortgage rates. For bonds, yeah, mortgage rates, yeah. Is that all of a sudden here we are 
on the precipice of a, a faster than expected recovery. And yes, this is definitely a source of major debate. And a lot of people want to say, how dare the stock market be going this high? And, and how could uh, people think we're going to have a recovery? Because it's awful out there. I'm not offering an opinion on that. I'm just saying the bonds are reacting to the data they have available. And it's better than they thought it would be. And we have to defend against the possibility that this is going to continue to move in an upward direction for rates. And I think it's safe to say either way, that if the economic data were to continue to paint the same picture it painted last week, that there would be a certain measure of upward pressure on rates. And if there's anything pushing back, it's the Fed. And we have the Fed coming up this Wednesday. And a lot of people are expecting them to firm up their bond buying commitment because in March, they embarked on emergency bond buying that they've been adjusting as needed. And they've settled into adjusting that every Friday. And this Friday was the first time since they started this that they haven't made a change to their daily maximum amount for MBS buying. So those $4.47 billion a day, that might offer us some small clue as to what they will solidify this Wednesday if they do solidify something. There's no inherent implication for what that would do for rates, but it does give us a line, a benchmark to assess how generous or stingy they're being if they announce QE4. Really, it would be official QE4. Yeah, QE4, yeah. So that's really the big focus of this week. Not a ton of economic data on tap. Definitely nothing like last week in that regard. And I think all eyes are really on the Fed. Matt, I just, I'm on your website right now looking at it and the live news stream, there's so many features on your website that I just want people to be aware of and go sign up for a free trial on this system. Because you, if you want to know what's the latest news happening out there, it's right here. It's got all news, it's alerts, it's videos, and then also the MBS live chat. It is just such a well-designed place to go for an immense amount of information. So kudos to you and can't wait for our listeners to all sign up for your service front. Appreciate you and thank yeah, and you so I will much get for you, being uh, here. I'll get you a I'll get you a lick and link, too, so that people get can a link and uh, link. get an, ex <laughs> an extra discount, extra free time. That's excellent. That's excellent. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast, joining us now, and, and looking forward to having you here each and every Monday. So, folks, get a hold of Matt. Take a look at what he's got to offer. It's just really cool. All right. Appreciate you, Matt. Have a great week. Check it out, mbslive.net, not .com, net, mbslive.net. Matt, thanks again. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. Alice live with us. We just love it when Alice can be here live. I just love her energy. Alice, good to have you here. Alice is the CMB Vice President of Education and Training for Bill Cosgrove's company, Bill and Alice Converse Company, called Union Home Mortgage. It's got this week's legislative update. Alice, how you doing there, my friend? I am doing well, Dave. Thanks. Nice report, Matt. I was listening intently and then now we'll be watching it closely to see what really happens so thanks it's great to have you on the program with us <laughs> yeah you, you're welcome so a couple of quick things the OCC has also sent a letter to the state associations the governors and the mayors and so forth to try and get them to recognize that these lockdowns I know some states are opening it back up I'm in Ohio we're actually kind of on the better side compared to some of the other states we still have a lot of restrictions and so the OCC was sending out a notice they sent that out last week to make sure that the governors really think about the impact in particular to commercial real estate as tenants struggle and as you have vacancies and you have stores that are now going out of business, the commercial side of our industry is really going to probably feel the hit much more so than the residential side since borrowers that they have been able to refi. So obviously then what starts to happen is the house bills that are coming in 
are also very tenant focused for helping them. And so there seems to be a, a perfect storm brewing for commercial real estate that we'll have to watch. If you don't have tenants, you can't maintain. If the place is vacant, it becomes subject to vandalism. So they're really trying to push that states get open back up to help those businesses. So they were trying to push that button to see if that works. We'll watch. I think the main memo I'd like to focus on is the HUD Mortgage E-Letter 2016 that came out. Now, when people see that there's forbearance and HUD's going to take forbearance, the sales side often starts asking a lot of questions. Does this mean I can close the loan if the borrower wanted to go in forbearance? The answer to that is still absolutely not. When a loan closes, they have to have a job, and we have to know that they're going to be able to meet all the requirements of all the financing. Even this new FHA mortgagee letter says the same thing. So at the time the forbearance was initiated, the mortgage had to be current, which means they at least made one payment. <laughs> they had to give us one payment <laughs> before they asked. You know, you have some customers asking before you even close. No, what happens if I go if I decide I want to go into forbearance? So I think the, the thing with the HUD, <laughs> so right? Funny. Yeah, right. I don't yeah. know if I am, but I, and you never quite know what to say about that as an originator. So anyway, the the idea is that the loan was current. We, and when the time we closed the loan, everything was in compliance. So folks out there who keep hearing rumblings of leniency, it really is that gap between uh, we closed yep. the loan. They made a payment, and now they're going, okay, I'm struggling. I'm not going to be able to make it. Certainly, they're eligible for all the new easy relief stuff going on. What HUD did was come up with a two-year partial indemnification agreement. So the lender has to be able to, before they send in for endorsement, provide an additional statement that supplements the warranty that's made on the HUD application that says, yes, everything was accurate at the time of closing. Um, So there's an extra form as a lender we have to sign. Uh, as you walk through that process, if the borrower then becomes 60 days delinquent, it's a partial indemnification of 20% of the loan amount. Uh, so a little bit of relief. And I think the second part, Dave, I just want to focus on for folks is they're really looking for relief. If my borrower decided to go into forbearance, I can't take the loan application now. What if they're current and they get current? Then what can I do? Is it going to be 12 months for that group before they can come back and apply? That's where the agencies have said three months. We do have some mm. conventional that we do get a little bit of leeway as people start going back to work to have them show us they can make three payments on time. You're not going to have to work, wait 12, and that'll be probably the biggest win that we get out of all of this so far. You still got to have job stability. That part didn't go away. So anyway, that's my two cents, Dave, on where we're struggling with employment and income as all of this keeps us in lockdown mm. and folks are struggling. That's worth so much more than two cents. A lot of the information there, Alice. And again, if you want to listen to Alice's comments or any of the comments, Matt's, anyone's here that we have, you could go to our website and go to specifically each individual's contribution is in their own page on the website, the Liquid Lending website. And you can listen to Alice's comments. A lot of people go back and listen and to each one of the segments because there's things that they're said. So, Alice, great update as always. Good to have you back live. And we just appreciate you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you. She's my mortgage sister, everybody. She and her husband are just dear, dear friends. Anyway, let's get on over to Alan Pollock. Good to have you here. Alan, uh, before we do, I just want to say I love innovation. That's what Alan's uh, whole talks about is innovation, what's happening out there. And you got to check out what's happening at Finastro, some of the innovation they're doing. I'm getting to be a part of some podcasts, the communication videos they're going to be pumping out. And it's being done in an innovative way. Folks, when you're looking for a 
partner. Get with one that is innovative. Financial's got some great stuff going. So, Alan, good to have you here with us. You're another innovative guy. Thank Alan you. Alan. Yeah. Good afternoon. <laughs> you animate and you innovate. That's true. That's great. That's right. Good to have you. Uh, good to be here as always. So this is a great one. You ready? I'm going to kick us off with something funny. So how okay. <laughs> would you like to have prior cell phone of Elon Musk? Well, I'm sure you'd love to have it. The NPR has a funny article. There is a girl. She's 25 years old. Didn't even know who Elon Musk was at first. She's a skincare consultant, and she had his number. And at first, she didn't know who he was. She was getting all kinds of weird phone calls and messages, and she asked her mom who this Elon Musk guy was, and her mom's mouth dropped. Here are some of the things she gets messaged to her. <laughs> she gets many per day, by the way. There's just a couple here. One person wanted to go to SpaceX. One person sent her a blueprint for a bionic limb that they want to create with him. Someone in South Africa wants to buy a 1,000 of his new SUVs. Uh, the IRS called. She thought first that she did something wrong. It turns out they had an Elon Musk tax issue. So she had to let them know that she's not Elon. Former Walt Disney executive texted her and said, this Tesla is magnificent. Thank you very much. And she even had to apologize to his dad for never calling him back. That's so funny. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure there's a lot of popular people whose prior cell phones and even addresses get in the hands of others. So very interesting. Yep. So we talk a lot about Simple Nexus. I didn't realize a friend actually just told me they've got a lot of integrations. They just released what they're calling their closing portal to help lenders meet their urgent consumer demand for mobile mortgage closing solutions. Sound mm. like a commercial, right? Uh, you want to check it out. Simple Nexus has a lot of great things going on. Truly innovative. And the great thing about it is you use your point of sale to talk to borrowers, to do different tasks, to stay in sync. The closing process, there's no reason why they should go somewhere else. So if you have the ability to put those things together that fits within your workflow, then it's a home run. So check out Simple Nexus. Indycom, David. Indycom yes, Global Services. our sponsor. Uh, they, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, hello our to Indycom. Sponsors. So they just announced the launch of their retail version of what they call Income Genius. It's income calculation oh, yeah. automation software. And why is this important? Man, anything we can do on the back end to reduce time, reduce errors, and verify, especially in times like today where we have an influx of applications and there's questions around eligibility and credit risk and you name it, Income Genius is an awesome tool. It sounds awesome. So you want to check it out. I know there's some others that have it. We'll probably hear more that have tools like this, but this is a big deal. If you get the right data and you can fine tune this process to fit within your workflow, then this is where you're going to save some time. So check it out, Indycom Global Services. David, tickets, 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 right? I'm, I'm not as, I can't sing as well as Les, so I'm just going to leave it at that, right? But this is an issue that we all have with vendors, right? We, we've got many vendors, sometimes 15, 20, 30 different vendors, different parts of our operation are dealing with different vendors. And we've got these tickets and it's enhancements, it's things don't work, it's we need to see something a different way. This has been a crazy year, right? It started off, we talked about getting your tech in shape. You truly need to think about what are you going to do for the rest of the year? And with the focus truly moving towards where we want to be, which is the front end of the process, because we need to support more expectations of the borrower. And, and a lot of us have done it, but we need to get there. I just want to give you a couple things that you need to think about. We need to take a look at the different tickets that we have that we put out for our vendors. Some are many months old, and some of them may not even apply anymore. Things change. Wow. Our needs change. It may even be that we have different folks within our organization, like the credit department, the underwriting department, the closing department, and they are having things done to the technology that our vendors support that may not necessarily be what each other need in concert. So it's 
time to bring that all back in. We're all slowly getting back to some type of new normal. Figure out what are all those tickets you have out there. Let's look at the workflow and what are we trying to do. Let's verify and reprioritize those tickets. Let's help the vendors help us because the vendors get inundated. They have hundreds of tickets all the time and they can only deal with so many. The other thing to think about is set up a call with those vendors to review them and look at maybe there's folks, uh, different things that have enhanced or happened at those vendors integrations or their platform that's provide you with that have changed and you don't know you can leverage it. New configurations, new ways to use it. So open the lines of communication, reset expectations, and revise your plan. This may help you tackle the rest of this year and the new norm a lot easier. We did not, David, talk about, and by the way, maybe Les can do a song for tickets, tickets, tickets next week. That'd be great. We, we did not talk about the adoption rates of technology. I'll do that for next week. I know we talked about it. I would do it for this week, but something happened to me last week that I thought this would just be a fantastic topic and so relevant for all of us getting back to this new norm. So the only other thing I want to leave us with is, and I always say fantastic content at Housing Wire, another fantastic article is called How COVID-19 Pandemic Kickstarted the Digital Innovation in Mortgage. It's from the head of fulfillment at City Mortgage. It's chief operating officer at Loan Depot, consumer direct sales and business insights manager at Wells Fargo, and it was moderated by Tata Consulting Services. Anyways, they talked about a lot of great things, but you want to know two quotes, what they said that we'll leave today's session with that thought were fantastic. One, pre-qualifying customers has never been easier with online applications. Nobody wants to go face-to-face right now, so focusing on consumer direct is so important. And then second, I thought I'd mention that Loan Depot did a virtual job fair. And we mentioned it, David. They were able to hire 400 employees. They had over 10,000 people at that job fair. If you think about, we need people for underwriting, closing, support, everything. So, And a lot of others are supporting hiring right now. So anyways, I hope you have a great week in technology and look forward to today's hot topic. Good job. Yeah, thanks so much. If you want to get a hold of Alan, get a hold of him at Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com. Yep, he's one of our advisors on the technology front. Does a great job. He works also at Open Close, and they're a great technology company. So shout out to them as well. Appreciate you, Alan, for being here. Love it. Likewise. Right. You bet. Dr. Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor, could not be with us live, but he sent in a pre-recorded audio of today's program. So let's get over to hear what Andy had to say for us. Andy? Hi, Dave. It is great to be on Licking on Lending again. This is Dr. Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor, and today I am going to talk about knowing your numbers, accounting, like going to the dentist. We hate it, but we know we need to. So here's a quick side note. I'm visiting my in-laws, and yesterday I was on a big pontoon boat with my brother-in-law out in the middle of a huge lake in Tennessee. And after about an hour or so, I noticed that the gas gauge on the boat was on empty. So I asked my brother-in-law, how much gas do we have? And he said, well, I put in some gas last week and then I drove five or so hours or so, something like that. So we should have enough. And I thought to myself, I'd really (laughs) rather not have to paddle by hand a pontoon boat half a mile, three quarters of a mile down a lake. So I thought to myself, I would rather have a gas gauge. So you may think, well, how does this relate to knowing your numbers? Think about the mortgage company that every month ends has to have enough money to run payroll, has to have enough money to close all of the loans that are scheduled to close and contribute the necessary funds to get everything closed. So 
every mortgage company then needs a gas gauge, a gas gauge to be able to talk about how much cash is left at the end of the month. Do we have enough cash in order to fund all of our month-end transactions? So I like it when mortgage companies have a cash flow dial, just like a gas gauge, but it's for money that we have available to spend on things for the business to keep everything running smoothly. As we all know, mortgage companies go through a lot of cash, borrowing money to fund the loan, receiving cash when the loan is sold. Lots of cash flow goes through the company, but surprisingly, there's actually a demand for cash within a mortgage bank. So it's important to have your finger on the pulse or your eye on the cash flow dial, especially at month end and in and through the first week of the month until all the loans are, are purchased or loans are, or loan purchase activity accelerates. And if you're thinking about retaining servicing, which a lot of folks are, that's a tricky issue because the profit may show that we made a point and a quarter on the servicing, but on, in a cash flow basis, there won't be any cash. Mortgage servicing rights is a non-cash event. So again, you can't spend MSR. You can't spend mortgage servicing rights. So you have to have cash flow. So that's where we need to make sure that our dial is adjusted so that we do have enough cash to support our activity, even when we are retaining servicing. So all of this is part of the simple steps to a healthy business by me, Dr. Andy Shell, the Profit Doctor, the book that I'll be releasing soon. It's always a pleasure, Dave, to join the Lickin' on Lending team and to speak to the Lickin' on Lending listeners. Thanks for listening. I hope everybody has a great week. Thanks, Andy. That's a good analogy about being out on the boat. How many times? Well, I filled up the gas last week. Well, how many times have you had the boat out? Well, that's no different than, okay, I had a lot of money when I checked to the bank last month, and then how much there? So cash utilization is always a challenge. A number of people that don't understand that. And our industry is quite astounding. Good job, Andy Shell. Appreciate it. Welcome, and thank you for what you're doing, and safe travels back, and look forward to having you back here. He's also my sponsor for my CMB exam, so I'm excited about that. Andy Shell can be reached at Dr. Shell, S-C-H-E-L-L, doctor spelled out, by the way, at mbs-team.com. Good to have him with us. Folks, that wraps up this week's mortgage banking update. We're going to immediately go right into the hot topic segment. So stay tuned. For those of you listening on a downloaded basis, you just go right on into the next podcast, which will be the hot topic segment. For those of you who are listening live, stay tuned because we're now getting into the Looking on Lending hot topic segment. I want to say a special thank you to all of our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Indicom, Accelerate, Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility RE, Modex, and so many others. Check out all of our sponsors on our sponsorship page. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everybody, and look forward to talking to you next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.